Hebrews 10, uh, verse 19. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened up for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with, full, with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. If we deliberately keep on sinning after all we have, rec- after we have received the knowledge of truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much more severely do you think someone deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, who has treated as an unholy thing the blood of the covenant that sanctified them and who has insulted the Spirit of grace? For we know him who said, It is mine to avenge, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of of the living God. Remember those earlier days after you had received the light when you endured a great conflict full of suffering? Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You suffered along with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. And but my righteousness one, uh, but my righteous one will live by faith, and I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. Good evening. Thank you, someone. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, honestly, I have like a stinking headache. I have one of those headaches that's just kind of lasted a couple of days um, and just isn't going away. Um, and I'm super tired. But as I was coming here today, I was like, oh, I get to go to church, which is lovely. Isn't that nice? Um, it's, been, it's been a long time since I've um, been able to kind of look forward to church. Um, and... As I was reflecting this week on this passage, um, which Steph reminded us or shared, it's kind of it's about perseverance of faith and, and kind of holding on. I guess is is one of the themes. Um, as I was thinking about it, and I was thinking about 2020, and I was kind of putting all these things in context in my mind, um, it struck me 
just how much the last little while I've been realising my need for connectedness. Um, and in particular, at this point, human connectedness. And I wonder if that's not just me. That's kind of a, a meta-narrative of 2020. One of the things that will draw out... And one of, like, um, you know, has anyone seen the videos of the people who've set up big plastic sheets with, like, arm sockets? Has, have people seen those? Brilliant contraption, but terribly unsatisfying. And they walk in and they put their arms in the arm sockets so that their little grandmother can hang out on the other side and they can hug each other. Um, but it's, it's through this plastic sheet uh, so that COVID particles can't be shared. Um, and... Uh, and then you have Zoom uh, and the, the takeoff of mm, conversations via video um, and you're, you're talking to people but you can't quite make out their mannerisms and it's a bit confusing. Somebody said, um, uh, Google did some research and they said for that first little while of, of COVID, there was an, a, a time when people felt super connected with all of their colleagues and the reason that they found was because when they were talking to them, they were actually broadcast into their bedrooms or into their living rooms. And so they could see like their bookshelf or their bed or something behind them. And so they felt really connected. But that's kind of petered off now. Um, and so people feel quite disconnected. Um, I've just been reflecting on this idea of the fact that we as humans need connection. And for me, I come to this church. And I'm like, ah, oh, I can let my guard down. Um, I can say I have a stinking headache and it doesn't matter. Or I can say I just had a, a rubbish weekend. Like, that's really nice, hey. Um, and the more I think about it, the more I think that is such a key to humanity. Um, it also happens to be what Hebrews is about from beginning to end. Um, the fact that we have this uninhibited contact with Jesus, uh, with the divine. And, and we can step into God's presence. Um, so as we go through this passage tonight, I'm not going to talk for long. I'm just going to uh, go through what Thomas just read, kind of briefly bring out a couple of things that I found particularly beautiful. Um, and then I'm going to hand it over to you guys um, because I recognize that uh, we have so much wisdom and so much experience in this room. Uh, and I'm going to ask the question that Steph asked and, and shared some of her journey with. And that is, um, after everything that you've been through, after everything you've been through, why are you still following Jesus? Uh, why, why do you still choose? Or um, if you're not at that point, maybe it's why are you considering following Jesus? Um, or maybe even, what, like, why would you like to think about the idea of possibly maybe one day following Jesus again? Like, <laughs> maybe that's where you're at. Um, and that, that's a perfectly valid thing to answer. Um, does that make sense? That's where we're heading? Beautiful. Well, let, let's just jump into this passage because there, there's some real beauty in there. There's some also some confusing things, um, but we'll, we'll go through it. And I think the, re the whole passage is kind of summed up in the first paragraph with three invitations that the author of Hebrews gives us. Uh, uh, he or she, the author of Hebrews, gives us three invitations. One is to draw near. Uh, the second one is to hold fast. The third one is to consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. That's kind of, I, th I think, a good summary of this passage. It's, it's offered in the first paragraph. Um, uh, draw near. 
Um, what does it mean to draw near? I'm not going to expand on that very much other than to say listen to Karen's sermon from last week, which was phenomenal. Um, Karen reminded us that uh, for, for the Jewish people, they had at the center of their city uh, a temple. And prior to that, it was a tabernacle, like a tent. And in this tent, uh, tent the tabernacle, which became the temple, there were boundaries Boundaries after boundaries after boundaries. Uh, and we realized last week that actually none of us, as people who are uh, not Jewish, we took a poll last week and we're all Gentile, um, none of us could actually go past the first boundary if we were to enter the temple of Jerusalem, into the courts of the Gentiles. Um, some of us could have gone into the next boundary um, where... Oh, if we were Jewish, some of us could have gone into the next boundary as Jewish people. Uh, some of us could have gone into the next boundary as men. Mind you, the men in the room would probably be kicked out because we were queer. Um, but presumably, we were straight Jewish males. We could have gone into the next boundary. And if we were the high priest, so if we were one person, then then once a year, we were allowed to go into the most holy of holies. Uh, the room where the Ark of the Covenant, the, the room where God was seen to dwell. Along comes Jesus. Oh. And this huge curtain that marked the boundary to the Holy of Holies is torn in two. And in one sense, it's as though God is saying, now everyone is welcome in. In another sense, it's like now God is not bound uh, and God has come out. And, and either way, it's saying you now have access. Uh, you now have complete access to the presence of God. Uh, uh, Emmanuel, God is with us. Uh, God is present in this room. Um, I want to do a little exercise just to sit with that idea. Um, I want to do a little meditation on Psalm 23. Um, it's a beautiful psalm. Just to, to sit with the knowledge that God is present. Because I think for me, often I can, uh, Steph was using the term cognitively, make, the sen- make sense of the idea that God is present. I can, I can cognitively think that, but experientially I forget that. Um, So what I want to do is I'm going to open up to Psalm 3 um, and I'm going to invite you just to shut your eyes as, uh, sorry, Psalm 23, uh, shut your eyes as I read it for us. Um, Make yourself comfortable. Um, I'm going to read it twice even. Um, Make yourself really comfortable. I like to shut my eyes when I do reflections and meditations. Uh, We're not going to rush it. We're going to take it nice and slowly. Uh, There's a lot of images in Psalm 23 that might capture for you the idea that God is present for us. So make yourself comfortable. Take a few deep breaths. as you just breathe out, you just want to be present and here.
and you can hear the whirl of the fans and the speakers and the lights and you just acknowledge that and it's in the background because all that matters is right now you are present and you are breathing and God is present here. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. The Lord makes me lie down in green pastures. The Lord leads me beside quiet waters. Refreshes my soul. Yahweh guides me along the right paths for Yahweh's name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. The Lord makes me lie down in green pastures, leads me beside quiet waters. The Lord refreshes my soul. Yahweh guides me along the right paths for the Lord's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Take a few more deep breaths, and when you're ready, we'll keep going.
that's a practice I've been taking up recently. Just being present. And just still. Hebrews over and over and over again reminds us of the fact that we can draw near to God in verse 20 by a new and living way opened for us by the curtain uh, that is his body. Um, And now we have this intimate access to God uh, and it's as though Uh, We all long to be seen and seen for who we truly are. And we all long to be loved and loved for who we truly are. Uh, And the book of Hebrews over and over again says, you are seen and you are loved. Um, I hope to never forget um, Joe Biden's speech that he made. Uh, And in it, he just listed all of the types of people that he will be president for. Uh, And to have queer people, trans people, people of colour, people with disabilities, all socioeconomic people, statuses represented in a presidential speech. Um, Gosh, it was nice. I was like, yeah, I feel seen. Um, Yeah, I feel heard. Uh, I feel looked after. Um, And so when the author of Hebrews invites us to draw near, I think that's what it is. Um, it's drawing near. And so that has to form the foundation then of what the author then invites us to do as we hold fast. Um, as we hold fast. I think sometimes that's felt like a whole lot of work. Um, like I have to grip on for dear life. Because um, if I let go, this rope's just going to... Um, but that, like, that's the wrong view. Um, that, that, that isn't how we're called to do it. Um, it's predicated on the fact that he who promises is faithful. That's in verse 23. Um, uh, and the author of Hebrews is calling us to, uh, to enjoy holding on to this God that we've discovered, um, to delight in being known and being loved. And I think this is made even more powerful when we start to think about the audience of Hebrews and the persecution that they were starting to face that was really starting to heat up. And we know from this passage uh, we saw in, um, in verse 20, oh, sorry, 32 onwards that they endured a whole heap of confiscation of their properties. They would have been maligned, probably started losing their jobs. We have uh, in the church in Australia a bit of a persecution complex at the moment. Um, don't know if you've noticed it with the kind of religious freedom laws going on and the church is crying persecution. Um, And I don't want to invalidate the feelings that they're experiencing at that point. But I just want to, um, I I guess, take check on that and say, I don't know if that's quite the persecution that uh, it it can be made out to be. Robin Whittaker has a great article on this. She says, the church in Australia is not being persecuted and it's insulting to say that it is. Um, Because around the world, there is legitimate persecution taking place. Um, there uh, There are societies, there are people groups, there are families that are ripped apart um, because of a proclamation of a faith in Jesus. Um, And I guess that's the context of Hebrews. But interestingly, Christianity is thriving. 
so that within a couple of hundred years it is mainstream religion in the Roman Empire. Um, and historians for years have uh, tried to work out, well, how did that actually take place? Like, what was the mechanism that enabled Christianity to thrive so much? And we know that persecution was a big part of it. Um, but there's a, a, a great character called Julian the Apostate. What a title. Um, Julian the Apostate. He was... Um, uh, he, he sent a message out to his heads of state. And this is what he says. Observe how the kindness of Christians to strangers their care for the burial of their dead and for the sobriety of their lifestyle has done, and the, has done the most to advance their cause. Each of these things, I think, ought to be practiced by us. Um, it's not sufficient for you alone, heads of state, to practice them, um, but also the priests of Galatia must practice them as well. Um, it's as though this emperor is saying, these Christians are doing a really good job at just being super decent people. Um, even amidst this persecution. Uh, and you get this impression that um, those early Christians had, had a glimmer of hope, and that's what they held on to. Uh, in verses 34 to 35, it says, "'You suffered along with those in prison "'and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property.'" But it's based on something. It's not, it's not, a, um, it's not a glib practice. Um, it's because they knew, or it says you knew, that you yourselves had a better and lasting possession. Um, you know that you have a better and lasting possession. Um, the more I think about it, the more I just get captured by this idea of the, the new city. Um, the new city, the new creation, the new kingdom of God that is coming. Um, and when I reflect on that, uh, it puts some things into perspective, maybe, um, and it makes it just that little bit easier to hold on, perhaps. Um, that's, that's certainly what the author of Hebrews is hoping is taking place in this passage. Um, now, I have to flag, in the middle there, there's, there's some really harsh words. There's a paragraph um, it falls under one of the, or you might call it a warning passage in Hebrews. There's a, a series of these warning passages that sound really dramatic. Um, and they're kind of, they're, they're passages that hellfire and brimstone sermons will often draw on to, to hammer home their point. Um, Karen reminded us very early on that if that's the method that you use when it comes to Hebrews, you've missed the point. Um, because the idea of these warning passages isn't to scare us into belief because it, it never works that way. Um, they're there to, to remind us of the gravity of the situation by saying, this isn't what you have to fear anymore. Uh, this isn't something that you have to think about, because every, every one of those passages is accompanied by a phrase like, um, uh, we're not talking about you, or we're hopeful of better things in your case. Or in this instance, um, we read the words... Uh, we are not of those who shrink back, um, and including the author's self in those words. And the idea isn't you have to be scared into believing. Um, the idea is um, look at how glorious Jesus is. Uh, look at how good Jesus is. Um, and if you read, like, go back and read those words later on and think about it in the terms that we've 
spoken about all through the book of Hebrews with Moses, with the temple, with those themes of Midrash coming through. And you see that uh, he's making a comparison between Moses and Jesus to say, look, the situation with Moses was kind of, kind of severe. How much more severe is the situation with Jesus? But we don't have to think about it in those terms. Let's think about just how good Jesus is. I feel like I didn't phrase that very well, but <laughs> it, it's not designed to be a fearful passage. If you read it that way, you've missed the point of the, the passage in the flow of Hebrews. Uh, it's supposed to give us hope. Uh, and I guess in that sense, uh, one of the, the goals of the author in this passage seems to be, um, don't take this new, uh, new approach to the divine for granted. Um, the fact that you have total uninhabited, uninhibited access to God, let's not forget that. Let's not forget just how important that is. Um, and so that leads on into the last invitation that the author gives us uh, in verses 24 and 25 uh, to spur one another on towards love and good deeds, uh, to not give up meeting together. Um, and I guess that's a, a reminder for us that uh, the Christian walk, um, all of this access to God that we have, all of this um, divine beauty that we have as we recognize that we are deeply loved, that we're deeply seen, um, that doesn't take place in a silo. Um, that isn't just me experiencing this. Um, but the beauty of the Christian walk is that it's, by definition, played out in community. Um, it's played out with one another. Um, and core to our existence is this outpouring of what we've experienced. Um, it's this outpouring of love, this outpouring of acceptance, this outpouring of embrace. And you can't do that on your own, um, by definition. By definition. Um, and I guess in so many ways, 2020 has shown us that our society's longing for good community, um, for good connection. Um, and the cost of good community is connectedness and commitment. Um, it's, it's putting in, um, uh, the author of Hebrews seems to say that, um, don't, don't give up meeting together because um, it's just so important that we keep reminding each other that you are deeply loved that you are deeply embraced. Um, that's Hebrews 10, as I see it. Um, that's that's kind of all I want us to go through um, here before I throw it over to you guys. Um, I think what the author of Hebrews here is, um, is really drawing out is those three things. Uh, draw close to God, um, hold fast, and keep spurring one another on. Um, Draw near, hold fast, keep spurring one another on, all predicated on this beautiful idea of complete acceptance. Um, so I want to throw it over to you guys to, to answer the question, um, why are you still drawing near? Uh, why are you still holding fast? Um, or um, why are you still choosing to follow Jesus? And my hope is that as we share this wisdom with one another, that will spur one another on. We're, we're practicing what we're invited to do in this passage. Um, as I said, your answers don't have to be well thought through. They don't have to be articulate. 
Um, you don't have to answer it if you don't want to. There's absolutely no pressure. Um, even if just one or two people want to share, I'm so happy with that. Um, uh, I guess if it helps, let me share what I would say or what, what I might have said. Um, if you'd asked me this question a couple of years ago and you'd caught me on a really honest moment, I probably would have said, I'm still following Jesus because I'm just too stubborn to admit that I was probably wrong. Like, <laughs> that's, um, that's in reality what I would have said. I mean, I never would have said it. Um, but if I was being honest, that, that is what I was thinking. Because um, I was just at a point where I was like, gosh, I don't even know if I believe this stuff. Like, it's, it's really not beautiful for me. Um, and it took a long time before I was able to see any beauty in Jesus and in the, the Christian faith and in the Bible. Um, so that's to say, please just, like, be honest. Um, does that make sense? Um, if you're comfortable, I'd love to turn the microphone on and you can hold on to it if you want to, but you don't have to. I'm doing this because I recognize that our community isn't just this community that's here. There are a number of people who can't make it here for whatever reason tonight, but also who are scattered around the world at the moment who consider themselves part of this community and part of this faith community that I would love to spur them on as well by your reflections. Having said that, I also... We're very able to edit voices out. So if you don't feel like you want that to be... It's on now. It's off now. <laughs> Sorry? Okay, done. Two. It's just very loud. It's very loud. Um, does that make sense? Two. One, two. Well, I'll just chuck it over to you guys and share if you would so like to. Thanks, Eddie. Yeah. <laughs> Over to you. I don't think I need the mic. But I'll take the mic. Hi. Um, so where I'm at right now and why I'm following Jesus is because I just described it today as Jesus was the conduit for me to knowing God, to having a spiritual walk, to believing in something outside of myself because I didn't have any formal understanding of church or wasn't raised with religion. And so Jesus, when I met Jesus, was about love and about striving towards being better. And so for me, even in the darkest hours or days of my life, um, where I feel like I want to give up on everything, I still, I know I have Jesus there. I know I have God. And so I can't ever envision not being connected to Jesus. If I'm being honest, you ask me to be 100% honest, I feel a certain type of way, very American saying, about um, boxing myself in as a Christian. And so I'm still sort of trying to explore what that means and reconcile that for me. Um, but I am a follower of Jesus. I know the love of Jesus. I know the love of God. Um, the reason I say I struggle with Christianity is because what I've seen 
um, in the church and the hurts and the pains and, and the person that I was speaking to today um, sort of looking at me sideways. In all honesty, I was on a date. <laughs> but, um, you know, I'm not getting any fresher, so my biological clock is ticking. So I was on this date, and, um, and he was kind of looking at me sideways because he has been hurt. And so when I was trying to explain, you know, taking baby steps because he was like, I'm never going back to church. And I was trying to explain that, well, you know, for me, it was not church initially. It was the relationship with Jesus. And then I talked about this community here. And so what I find really beautiful is um, in this journey or this point in my life, um, Pastor Joel has encouraged me to to decide or to determine and pray on the fact, like, where am I going to grow the most spiritually? So I feel really blessed to be doing that here with you guys. And I feel really blessed that I can say on a mic at church that I'm questioning how do I fit into the Christianity box? Like, I don't question my love of Jesus, but, yeah, I question kind of a lot of other things. Um, Yeah, and thank you for letting me share, honestly. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks. It's okay. Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, So, what have been... I think I was thinking about this, and I thought, where I am now, I have to explain why I used to follow God, which is because my parents did, and then it was a habit. Like, I grew up in the church. I went there because my parents told me to. And then by the time I was old enough to decide if I wanted to go myself, the people that I had grown up around and the culture that I had grown up in just meant that that was a habit for me, that I just went because that's what people did. Didn't really experience anything else. All of my... Um, uh, what's, the, what's the preschool version of youth group? I keep forgetting what it's called. Sunday school. That one. I can't believe I forgot that. All my Sunday school teachers were like, well, you know, if you have friends that are swearing at school, then you shouldn't trust them. So I just assumed that my school friends, like, I couldn't hang out with them, so I hung out at church. And that's just what I did. Um, so then that went on for quite a while, and then that kind of took me up until, like, college, whenever. Um, and then it's kind of given way that I've had to really think about it in the past few years, about genuinely why I was doing it. And it kind of opened this aspect that I really enjoy being a compassionate and kind person and I enjoy listening to people and I enjoy being there for them and I enjoy trying to love them and make their day better in any way I can. And I learned that I was drawing on all of those things from God, that I was drawing on those things from the Spirit. Um, And they had given me the strength and energy to do that. So I think that was kind of the first part of me being like, I follow God because they breed and they create kind and loving people. And I see that in the churches that I'm in. I see that with all of the uh, Christian-believing people in my life is that they are kind and compassionate people. And I want to be like that. I want to be that kind of person. So that's kind of the first aspect of it. And then recently the second aspect is... uh, has been so instrumental in allowing me to express myself and believe I am who I feel like I am inside um, and help love that 
because I still struggle with that immensely. I still struggle with loving who I am. But every time I come to God in prayer, I'm just filled with this sense that he accepts me, he loves me. And on the days that it's really hard to take that in and accept that myself, I always feel God calling back being like, no, I do. Don't believe it? You're wrong. I do. I love you. I love you just the way you are. Um, And that has been invaluable. And that's something that I could never go back on because why would I? Like, why would I stop following someone who is so adamant about seeing me love myself? Why would I go back on someone who's so adamant about seeing me be kind to people? Um, Yeah. And that's where I'm at at the moment. Love it. It's great. Definitely not. Um, I, I tend not to try to talk much here, uh, breaking the habit of a lifetime, <laughs> mostly because I want to listen and mostly because, like you say, wanting to be spurred on because I'm at a place where my background was decidedly non-religious all throughout. I've been, I'd been a devout atheist since, uh, since about the age of about nine or ten, mm. Uh, my parents, uh, my whole family always viewed religion with a certain degree of suspicion. Um, and so the fact that I come here is something I find sometimes very difficult to talk about. Um, and, you know, obviously the, the fact that you are uh, gay, there's that um, very justifiable anger at what you hear from a lot of religious people that is, uh, that is almost confirmation, like, well, yeah, that's not for me. But I always kind of felt like rather than that being a fervent lack of belief in God, it was self-righteous indignation. It was like, you don't want me? I don't don't want you either. Go away. Um, But there was always a part of me that wanted to know something. And I don't think I know Jesus. I don't think I understand Christianity. I don't think I'm there yet. But... And sometimes there's a certain element of almost... Jealousy is the wrong word. Maybe a bit of sadness that I see faith in other people, almost like they can hear and are enjoying a song that I can't hear. And I want, everyone's telling me how wonderful this song is, and I believe them, but I can't hear it. And I'm trying to hear it uh, because I believe those people. And I'm trusting, I guess it's an act of faith. I'm trusting that instinct to want to keep trying to listen. And so that's why I come to listen, to try to hear and to be spurred on mm. and to hopefully get there. Mm. Yeah, so that's me. Wow. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, we're so grateful you're here. I'm loving this metaphor. And I feel like there's a sense of, in my journey at least, for so long... Uh, I was similar in that I lip-synced, but I could hear the melody somewhere, and so I held on. And I, like, and I feel like I, I uh, there was a transition where all of a sudden I realized the Bible was beautiful again. Uh, and and the I, I 
personally feel like the Holy Spirit just steps in and it becomes like the color comes back to faith. Uh, I don't know, that, that was my experience and there was almost a sense of um, sifting or, um, you know, iron sharpening iron. Like, uh, you, um, and that's so, like, that's just so encouraging to hear that, um, you know, we have this place where we can just let those guards down and listen to the music together. Because um, honestly, today I'm not feeling the music. Like <laughs> I feel like today with my headache and feeling like it's just it's not there. But I see it in other people, and um, I know I have heard the music, and I look forward to that. I don't know if that makes sense. But yeah, thank you so much for sharing. That's so beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm yeah. I'm thinking a lot in response to that question, um, and similar in some ways to some of the stuff other people have shared. Uh, I think, I, I mean, I grew up with um, my parents were pastors and I wanted to be a pastor. I felt a call to ministry, a very specific call to ministry when I was 11 years old. And then when I was 13, like at a time in my life when I'd been um, very suicidal, kind of discovered Jesus, not just cognitively, but in a very relational kind of a way. Um, and just followed Jesus like passionately, wholeheartedly, you know, for the next 30 years or whatever. Um, but got to, I think got to a point in my life where there was just this, maybe it's a cognitive dissonance, a relational dissonance, I don't know, where um, I couldn't hold together anymore this understanding of Jesus and Christianity that was being presented to me and had been presented to me my whole life and that I had taught as well where there's this total disjuncture between, you know, you are unconditionally loved and you are absolutely unworthy. You are totally deprived and totally delighted in. Um, and it came to a point where just being asked to constantly hold those things together. Um, where, you know, being taught that, um, that I had to hate myself and staying closeted even really to myself for so many decades because you just can't be both those things. Um, all of that to say, I think that where I was for a few years, to change the metaphor a little bit, is um, from what I understand, sometimes one of the issues with gambling is that the first time, when the first time you've gambled and you've had a win, like you've made some money, whether it be on the pokies or the blackjack table or whatever the case might be, you've made some money and you've had a win um, and you just want to keep getting that feeling like it's awesome, you've had a win and you want to make more money, you want to make more money but the problem is you start losing money and there gets to a point where you are in such a hole because you've put in so much money hoping to reap it back and get the win that you had in the beginning that you can't stop now because you need to recoup the debt. Does that make sense? That's where my faith was at. Like... I've been doing this for so many decades. Somehow it's got to pay me back. Like somehow, you know what I mean? And uh, so I've been thinking a lot. Like why do I still follow Jesus? And, and is it just that I'm addicted to gambling on Jesus? <laughs> and I've come to the point um, only in the last little while really of understanding that the reason I follow Jesus is because of Jesus. Like, I think 
more than ever before in my life, and for all of my upbringing and theological training and all, the, all that case might be, I've come to a point where I take Jesus really seriously and I take seriously this kind of understanding that it's Jesus that reveals to me who God is. And when I look at Jesus, I don't see any confusion about whether or not I'm loved. I don't see any hesitation. I don't see, you know, I, I once heard someone say, um, the only time we ever see God running is when God runs towards us, you know, in the parable of the prodigal. The only time you ever see God running, it's not running away from us. God's running towards us. Um, and I see in Jesus this person who has no hesitation about running towards me and running towards people on the margins and running towards people who have been declared undeserving or outside or whatever the case might be. And there's something intoxicatingly beautiful about that about a Jesus who genuinely reveals God to be a God of love and not of judgment. Um, and so that, I guess that's why I follow Jesus. Um, and in line with some of the other stuff that's been said, I guess a good description of that for me, my favorite verse in the Bible, um, it comes from the book of Zephaniah. It's, I'm sure you all know Zephaniah really well and have it memorized. It's, yeah, planning on naming your kid Zephaniah. I know, I see it in your eyes. Um, but Zephaniah 3.17 says this, The Lord your God is with you, and she is mighty to save. She takes great delight in you. She will quiet you in his or her love and rejoice over you with singing. And that's what keeps me with Jesus. The reality that this God will fight for me when it says will quiet you with his love, I always have the image of like a parent holding a baby to their chest and just quieting them against their chest with the consistency and constantly of love and of a God who would sing over me, such as their delight in me. Um, and for me, that's the song that I'm chasing and the song that I keep hearing. I really shared before so just a little background of my sort of Christianity um, I grew up in church um, it's what we went to on a Sunday but it was always really funny because we would go to church but then at home like church was never spoken about it was just what we went to on a Sunday and then when I was around 14 um, I wanted to sleep in so I was like I don't want to get up early and go to church anymore so I kind of stopped going and um, I met some friends at school and there was the fun church down the road that didn't have an organ and they had a live band and um, they invited me to a youth group and I remember doing like a dance class and everyone was outside playing sport and then we were led into 
a youth group and I was like oh okay it's church I thought I was just going to a dance class and um I yeah I loved it and um through that experience of my teen years I found some really great role models in church um went to all the summer camps and for the first time I feel like that head knowledge that I'd kind of been listening to growing up I kind of found um and really felt the Holy Spirit for the first time um and then kind of through my 20s I've been involved in big churches um living in London and yeah I think for me why I've held on is because I've never, I've always felt um, such a presence of God in my life um, and a love of God that is, for me, indescribable. And I've been hurt by people in church, but never by God um, or Jesus. So regardless like, of how things are played out in some kind of areas of church or hurt in church, um, and... I never felt it from Jesus. I just always knew that I was loved. And um, about three years ago, I came out um, to my family and my church back home. And shockingly to me, I thought it would go great, and it didn't. (laughs) And um, I was like, oh, okay. And um, so there was a lot of hurt from people that I expected to be really supportive and weren't. Um, But I, I was never angry with God. I was just more hurt by people. And I think that's what I've always experienced is just more disappointment um and and that like kind of resonates with you that sort of christian box of what a christian you know um and so seeing that firsthand and feeling that from people for years that i was around and i thought loved me deeply um had the way there there were some of the reactions which were so painful um but i never got that from god so i'm just and and then sort of I was out of church for like three years um, when I moved to Sydney um, because I, I couldn't find a church which I felt accepted in um, or a community that I was accepted in. But I never, yeah, I never lost my faith in God. It was kind of me and him for a long time and I felt like, this is fine, I don't need community, like it's overrated. <laughs> and, um, but that nudge of how important community really is um, and how through community, I think, um, days that we feel low and we feel lost, I've seen how God has shown up in other people for me. Um, and I think that's really important for me to reflect on other people, just to give someone a kind word to encourage them. When I felt really flat and sort of distant from God, he's always brought someone through um, to give me that word. So that's always, yeah, just really encouraged me. Um, Yeah, and I don't know, that's kind of where I'm at. Um, I'm still probably healing from sort of that experience of church and people, but, yeah, I've never really lost my love for God, which is, yeah, where I'm at. Yeah. When I think about what keeps drawing me back to Jesus 
it's the hope that he brings. And for me, that's not a hope of eternal life or living forever. Um, For me, that's the hope of a world made right. And like in the person of Jesus, I see all the injustice and all the discrimination and the pain and the brokenness that's going to be made riot that's what keeps pulling me back to Jesus you know and you know one of the verses that has stuck with me and and probably really guided me in in both my career and, and my life is that Like the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. But Jesus comes that we may have life and have it to the full. So anything that stops us and the world from being able to live in that fullness and that potential is not of God and is done with. Because Jesus is, is making it right. So, yeah, that's what keeps me drawn to Jesus, connected to Jesus, is that, is that picture of things being made right and that hope of things being made right. Um, there's so much um, depth and experience. Um, there's so much journeying that has happened and is happening and will happen and I'm so grateful to God that we get to be a part of it together yeah can I pray for us Uh, God the Father God the Son God the Holy Spirit you are here You are present. You are dwelling amongst your children in this place. God, for so long, people have placed barriers between us and you. People have muddied the water of a beautiful song. God, we long to hear you. We long to see you. We long to know your presence, not just with us individually, but with us as a community, with us as a nation, with us as humanity. God, we thank you that we can draw near because you are the one who ran towards us. God, we thank you that you are the one who is making all things right. And in Jesus, we get a taste of everything that you are doing, everything that is now and is to come Will you restore all things unto yourself?
God, our hearts break at our world today. We long for the new creation to come. We long for Jesus. God, give us glimmers of your glory, insights into how good you are, that we might ever be drawn into deeper understandings of the divine, that we might have the strength to hold on, that we might gather together and spur one another on toward love and good deeds. God, we thank you for what you're doing in this place. We thank you for these people. We thank you for this time we have together. Amen. Well, I don't really have much more to say.